Welcome to My Fertility Journey, Life Chats with Bianca Bullissian. today is a true life chat, exactly the type of conversation I've been dreaming of having for this show. Hard conversations with people like me that are in the thick of this roller coaster ride. Erin is a true warrior, and she's not scared to share the good and the bad of her long journey. There is a small trigger warning for infant loss while Erin starts talking about her journey, so you can skip through that if it's a delicate subject for you. I think this chat speaks for itself, so let's just get to it. Hello, Erin. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yes, I know. I'm so excited too. We're like two giggly girls for the last like 20 minutes just chatting. (laughs) Um, So I am super excited to talk to you today and listen to your story, which I'm sure is going to be full of ups and downs and inspirational Mm -hmm. and maybe teary moments and laughable moments. We'll have everything (laughs) um, on this. I did come across your Instagram account a while back through some fertility other fertility accounts that I was following and Mm -hmm. you just you are really inspirational and that was even before I knew like details of your story so thank you yes like this and um I think I I started following you probably beginning of October because that sort of coincided with the challenge right so you were doing this challenge where each day you post a picture and and, and you did um, mention something about how you, why you wanted to do that and how you liked to, to engage in that challenge mm-hmm. with the community. So if you can start with that, because I know that's where you're most active um, right, right now with the community, and then we can go into your story if you don't mind sharing little bits of, of that. Yes. Of course. Yeah, no problem. Um, to be honest, I started the challenge as a distraction because... Although I've waited 14 years to do all this and to have a baby, we've been trying for a long time, everything started to speed up in my process, in my journey. And so while it was going quickly, it also felt like it was taking forever. So I, in September, I did self-care September. And every single day, because I needed to take care of myself, I take care of my husband and my mother, and I always forget about me. So I decided if I distract myself, by taking care of myself and doing fun things, spa things. Um, We had big fires here, which is strange for Oregon. So it kind of postponed that. But I even decided with that to still take care of myself. So it could have just been taking some time to cry. I'm a big proponent in crying. Just let it out. It feels so much better afterwards. So then October, that brings us to what you found was the I love October challenge. And I named it that because I was born in October and I love October. It's just so fun to me. I love the season. I love my, I love that my birthday is then. So I decided, okay, another distraction would be to create like a list, something for every single day, something different that kind of feels like fall or October or, you know, some of your favorite things. And for me, it was also the distraction of 
getting to know other women in this community. I mean, men could join in too, but to be honest, there's not a lot of men in this, in this community yes, on here. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I just wanted to also get to know outside of infertility. And I know there's a lot of women that are just mainly on there for their, you know, infertility journey. But I just would love to get to know these women who have been there instantly. I joined July 23rd and I had a community instantly. So I wanted to get to know them. I wanted them to get to know me and to like, you know, we are more than our infertility. We are more than this journey and this club that they say it's the worst club with the best members for a reason, you know? Uh, that's, so, I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I just, I decided, okay, with self-care, it was about me. So October, I wanted it to be about everyone. And there's a few women that have joined in and I've learned amazing things about these women. Like they're mm. just so incredible. It's so much more than what we've had to struggle through. Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah, I loved mm. when you shared that because um, we do get so caught up with yep. with our stories and our um, problems, not just yeah. with our stories, but the problem and the label, right? And one of the biggest things oh, yeah. with like self-esteem and, and the trouble of coping with right. infertility is, or I like to call it fertility issues. I, infer- <laughs> gotcha. Infertility is like such a hard word. Again, it's labels. Yeah. It's all labels. It right. doesn't matter oh, whatever you want to call it, but we, we label ourselves right with infertility, infertile, can't conceive. And we carry this burden every day, the whole day in our minds, as we mm-hmm. smile through the day around other people and coworkers yeah. and family and all that. And, and we have a lot of trouble um, letting it go sometimes so I think like it was so refreshing yes and it's very it's very like respectable for the people like all the credit for the people that are there to just look at that and and find comfort and find stories in that relation in that um, aspect and this is what this podcast is about as well right is Mm -hmm. to bring that comfort and that um, hope and so that people feel less alone but that little escape and distraction is so good (laughs) I know we've had like a couple of chats just from like a post or another that is just so fun and it does make the the day go by a little faster right I send you a message and then a couple hours later I check and then you replied and then I reply (laughs) again and so I'm sure it must be fun to to get that with with different folks out there right Mm -hmm. it is it really is it's amazing it's so much fun and it does make the time just speed right by yes that's that's exciting mm-hmm. so that's sort of where we where you are now sort of mentally mm-hmm. we will talk about currently where you are on the journey but okay. if we can start with your journey that started so early your fertility <laughs> journey at 18 and 19 yes. so would you would you like to start with that of course well, uh, when I was 18, I was in a relationship from 16 and we, uh, we had a baby, weren't married, but we had a baby, uh, surprisingly, and just 11 months later, had another one. So wow. at 19, I had my second uh, son. And unfortunately, two months after that, uh, April of 2001, um, my second son passed away in his sleep. Um, I believe it was SIDS. They never really said anything. It was more of an unknown, but to me, he just, you know, wasn't meant to stay on this earth. He just was there for a moment. And yeah, so, um, we lost him and within a week's time, 
they came in and took our other son. So, I mean, that wasn't anything fertility because they were both surprises. But when the state came in and took my son, like my world was over at that moment. Mm. Um, And it's because that my ex was doing drugs that I didn't know about. So when you're not married, they don't tell you anything. They're not allowed to tell you anything about your partner. So I find out too late to prepare or to leave. So I was a 19 year old thinking I'm going to stay with this guy because then it's like a united front. We're not married, but at least we're staying together for our son. Of course. And unfortunately that worked against me. So my son was adopted out. Um, I left their father and decided to just pursue my own life. I moved down to California with my mother and started working in the TV and film industry, which I always wanted to do. Wow. It's really, you're, you have the personality for sure. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. I left it behind, but, but that's, that's a whole nother story. But yeah. And so I just basically thought my life was just going to be that. And then I met my husband and I had never wanted kids so bad. I had never wanted a life with another person so much. Like he, I always say he saved my life Mm. because my life wasn't going to mean anything. You know, when I, when I lost both my children, pretty much, I have given birth to two and raised none. So that was kind of my struggle. And so by 24, had a lot of fun, (laughs) but then I, I met my husband and fell in love instantly and married four months later and we knew pretty quick something was wrong and we have tried for 14 years wow to have a child and so so you were trying pretty soon after you got instantly (laughs) instantly we knew we just knew we both neither thought we would want to have a family or married or children until we met each other and it was just like that oh it was meant to be Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe that's why you went to California into that industry to yep. meet your husband and then yep. and then you left. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yes, you did exactly. what you had to do there. Yep. <laughs> yes. So would you would you share with us how did you know? So you said you know right away, you knew right away that there was something wrong. So what were the indications apart um, from obviously you not getting pregnant? Um right. what what was happening there? Well, before understanding the whole, like any fertility issues or infertility, um, I knew within the first year, I say right away, but to me, within the first year, um, what I realized was I've never had a problem getting pregnant. I've had my two live births. Um, I have had an ectopic a couple of years before I met my husband. Um, I had an abortion when I was 14 due to rape. So I have never had a problem getting pregnant and all of a sudden we weren't getting pregnant. So we actually ordered within the first year, we ordered off the internet. And back then I'm telling you, the internet is not like we didn't have Amazon and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. There might've been Amazon, but I didn't know about it. (laughs) Um, But we ordered one of those microscopes where you just put the sample, his sample on a slide Mm -hmm. and you can look at it, shines a light through it and you're able to look at it. And we did that and we're like, okay, we compared it to what results should look like. 
And we went, no, there were, there were sperm, but it wasn't what it should have been. Wow. That's so cunning. You guys did that. (laughs) Like one of those like children, like science microscopes that you No, it was, no, I do have one of those now, but no, this was made for specifically to check the men's stuff. Oh yeah. It came with a little fluid and. (laughs) Wow. I I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. It disappeared not too long afterwards because I still (laughs) can't find it now I've because it's gotten old and gross I'm like okay I need a new one so now I have the little Amazon children's whatever and I've got that but yeah it's like they were around for a moment and then disappeared I'm like this was a brilliant thing yes even if it's not something to like go by I could see his guys I could see them swimming around and you could tell (laughs) there was something yeah like just they were wiggling Well, what it is, is they have like a little graph with these boxes and you're supposed to see them just going nuts. If you look online on YouTube or anything like that, or even just image search, you'll see how it's just millions of them. Mm -hmm. Well, we would see a bunch of little, maybe dead ones or other debris. And then eh, one maybe in a little circle and another one twitching in place or one just going, I'm going this way. But it would be like maybe eight to 10 in the little box where it should just be covered. So that's how we knew something was wrong on his end. Definitely. That is, oh my God, that is the first time I'm hearing this. I'm loving this already. Um, Not for your husband, obviously. That's obviously a hard thing to to do. I have a a question in that sense, because when I, when we first started testing, right, for Mm -hmm. when we couldn't conceive back, back when that's, we're seven and a half years now and, and doing all the tests and stuff, I, it's such a weird feeling, right? Because you want, like, I remember wanting everything to be okay, obviously. Right. Oh yeah. But then, but then because we weren't getting pregnant, I also wanted something to fix. Right. Right. So I've mentioned it before in other conversations where like, oh, just give me something, not something that is like life threatening, hopefully, but something Mm -hmm. that I can fix that it's objective. And then I can have control back because that's the biggest thing with this journey. We lose control and we freak out. Um, And so that's what I wanted. Right. But then when when it takes like two people, right, it's not just me, even though I think that it's majorly focused on right. on women or folks with um, feminine uh, body uh, organs, um, mm-hmm. the, the fertility issue, we men are a big part of it. So the yep. sperm analysis, and it's it's improving a lot as well, right? The type of analysis oh, yeah. that they can do is, I mean, I'm sure Definitely. you can see a difference from from having your home microscope to, to going into tests the last right. few years. So um, anyways, where I was getting into is when my husband was doing the testing, I just had this anxiety where I really didn't want it to be him. Right. You oh, know, yeah. because with your, like with your emotions and you just have this um, care for that person that you love so much and you're trying mm-hmm. to build a family and you're like, if it's something with him, I again have no control. Right. Right. If it's something with me, I can take the guilt, the blame. I can try and control it. I can try and fix it. But then it's like really completely out of my hands. And it was such a fear of mine. So Mm -hmm. how did you um, how did you feel and how did he feel if you want to share that? Um, Mm -hmm. And how did you guys manage as a couple that situation? Well, to be honest, we waited way too long to even find out officially, partly 
I mean, some things are financial. We didn't know how expensive or inexpensive it would be. Um, we, I quit working not long after we got married. And it was kind of like that whole thing where, oh, honey, I have no problem being the one to work. You go ahead and stay home. And I thought, wow, really? Okay. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but, you know, so then it was all on him. So he worked, you know, so hard. And we struggled for many years. So in our heads, we're like, oh, it'll happen. It's going to happen. It was like that denial. So to be honest, we didn't get an actual sample from him until like an actual taking it to like a, to have an analysis until 2018, December of 2018. Okay. So two years ago. Yeah. So we married in 2006 and we waited. So that's 12 years just to find that out because in my head and my, I'm very, I can be very controlling. I was going to fix it. Yeah. I was going to be perfectly fine on my end and I was going to fix it on his. So I, I was like, no, we're not going to have to spend thousands of dollars. I'm going to make you all the smoothies and I'm going to make sure you eat all the right stuff. Yes. And we're going to just do this on our own. And unfortunately it didn't work that way. So mm-hmm. finally it was like, well, we want to look into IUI because I'm thinking, yes. okay, we'll do IUI. Cause there's not like, there's information out there, but not always the right stuff. So I'm thinking, no problem we'll just go and do the turkey baster method. We will go and have IUI. And when we finally did all the testing we had to do, we found out, no, they don't do IUI with under 10 million sperm. So I think our first number was, what was it? It was like three or 4 million per milliliter. And so it was, you know, they want you to be over 39 million for it to be normal. Mm -hmm. And his was like not even 20 million. So that's when I was like, okay, So honestly, we didn't even know for a long time. When I finally found out, I felt two things. I felt relief because it wasn't me. And I felt agony because it was him. Yeah. And that broke my heart. Now, come later on, it's also me. (laughs) But at that moment for that first test, it's like the warring feelings. I really, truly felt so relieved that it wasn't me and thinking, oh, it's easier to fix for him. But then, I felt so bad because this man, and I have a very man's man husband. I don't get to know his emotions very well. So you ask, like, how did he feel? I really don't know. I think he feels pure guilt. I think he feels horrible. I think he feels, is my wife going to resent marrying me or sticking it out this long? He's not the type to say any of those things. Yeah. But he's a very inside his head kind of person. So I know he's feeling those kinds of things. So I had a million emotions, you know, it was like distraught end of the world, but here's the cool thing. Not once did I ever resent marrying my husband. Not once did I ever think I could be pregnant easily with someone else. Never once. If I never have children, I have him. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) I think those are, those are similar things that we feel too, right? When we find out, um, like when I found out that I had low AMH and I was Mm -hmm. told that natural pregnancy was just never going to happen unless a miracle happened and miracles do happen, but uh, so far, so far I was not graced with one. Uh, I'm still, I'm still waiting, (laughs) but, but the, yeah, that, that feeling of, like the one thing that's supposed to be so basic 
yep. for us to do, which is just conceive their children yep. and go through labor yep. and have babies. Like, I just I yep. can't do that. Like who, yeah. you know, is going to be wants to stay with me. And, and then you feel so guilty, the money spending, the stress and the energy, the emotional, all because of me, because of me. So I can, I can imagine it is important yeah. to talk it through maybe after he listens to this podcast. <laughs> possibly. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so, so once, so once that happens, so IUI is a no, no. And then what? Cause that's also a scary thing, right? Because yeah. now oh, yeah. IVF is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. IVF your one door. The, yeah. It's, it is so scary in so many ways because it's so much more invasive and it goes from, Oh, maybe $1,500 to, Oh, let's see. What was our $30,000? Oh yeah difference when we were already yeah when we already were waiting all those years just to have a semen in a a semen analysis which was 130 (laughs) dollars we waited all that time saving up and it was like wow it was a punch to the gut if anything has ever had that feeling it was definitely a punch to the gut yeah so that was our they were saying that's all you're going to do is IVF it's like his is so low, low, low count, low morphology, low motility. And I went, okay. So that was March of, or no, that was February of um, 2019. I was also told I would have to go and do a bunch of testing. And that's when I had my HSG for the first time. Uh, blood work and all that came back fine. But I found out that I have... Um, adenomyosis and adenomyosis isn't something that you ever hear about you can hear about endometriosis yeah but and at the time with with my research after I found out I was like oh I wish it was endo because at least I could go have surgery because Mm -hmm. with adenomyosis it is the tissue growing inside the walls of your uterus so with with endo it can grow on your bowel. It can grow on your fallopian tubes, your ovaries, your outside of your uterus. But with mine specifically, that tissue that's supposed to be on the inside, which I have as well, grows in the muscle wall. There's no surgery for that. So I was told if I wanted relief, I'd have to have a hysterectomy. So I bet you can guess <laughs> what hearing the, that word will do to someone trying to have a baby. Oh my God, a punch in the gut. Mm-hmm. There it is feel. again. Yeah. So yeah. that was really tough. And the, the, at the same time, I was also very relieved because for years I've had the most painful periods. Mm-hmm. I'm talking lucky to crawl to the bathroom. I'm talking 27, 28 years old wearing depends mm-hmm. because it's my flow. Sorry, this is a little TMI, but it is, that's, that's the world. Yeah. The flow is so bad. There is no tampon or pad, you know, sanitary napkin that can match me. So literally I'm in diapers before I'm 30. Wow. Nobody listened. And when I say nobody, I mean no health, no, no doctor. I was told when I had an ultrasound, probably my fourth ultrasound regarding just the pain I'm in to take more Motrin. What is that? Motrin is like, it's an, it's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. It's the thing they advertise for women on their period. So it's like Advil or Tylenol or one of those things. 
Yeah. So you can imagine how a young girl in excruciating pain every 25 days, technically every 16 days, because I have four or five days before my period and four or five days during of excruciating pain, of collapse in a store out of the blue pain. Oh my God. So imagine what take more, more pain relievers would do to you. So getting that diagnosis was so amazing. And again, a punch to the gut because the miscarriage rates are doubled for uh, uh, someone with adenomyosis. And here's the funny thing. They don't know what causes it, but what they believe is you're usually close to menopause or have had children. So my two children I had at 18 and 19 might be the reason that I can't have children now. Wow. (sighs) Yeah. Lovely double-edged sword. (laughs) I know. Seriously. It's like a triple edged sword you have there. And um, before, before you found that out, Mm -hmm. um, how did you like troubleshoot the, the fact that just the irony of the universe that you had three, four pregnancies, right? Mm -hmm. Through your life. And, and now with like the men of your dreams, things are just not happening. Like how did that land in your emotional? Um, it was rough. It was extremely rough because I've only, okay. Before my husband, I only ever wanted one thing and that was to be an actress. When I met my husband, I still had that urge, but all I really wanted was a baby, a family, not just a baby. I wanted a big family. I wanted a soccer team, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pump them out every year. (laughs) And so, no, that does a lot to your mental health. It does a lot. And depression runs in my family, Um, clinical depression, manic depression. And so it was rough. It is rough. It's still rough. So I... I would dwell on it, but in a woe is me kind of way. It's just, it's, it's, you get to the point where so many horrible, horrible things happen in your life. You're like, why me? What did I do? You know, it's, I couldn't rectify it. I couldn't figure out like, you know, so pretty much for 14 years, I've just sat here going, when is my time or trying my hardest to make it be my time. Yes. And any, any um, sort of coping techniques or strategies that you had therapy or anything on, on those lines? Um, No therapy. I didn't care for it when it was mandatory after my son died. So that kind of soured it for me. And I'm sure it helps. Yeah. I'm sure it helps a lot of people, but when you're forced to do it and you're forced to do it in a group setting, um, yeah. At that age with that much grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and maybe not my, the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. When my son died, it was a domino effect because I lost four more people within 11 months of my son dying, including my father. It ended with my father. Wow. So having to go to court, having to do mandatory um, therapy, group therapy, having to go and visit my son in a small room with a two-way mirror. Um, expected to be one way when all I was was just a zombie. Um, yeah, so it kind of spoiled therapy. So I've never done that. Honestly, I am a couch potato. 
my coping is the TV Mm. because I've always loved it anyway. So it's always there for me. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of been my thing. And it's like, that was the world I wanted to be in. So to be able to just watch it and to just escape in it and reading as well, honestly, reading, I love like the longer the series, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how it's kind of helped. So I haven't done a lot of things that maybe I should have done to cope, but I also talk a lot. As you probably learned, that so is, far. <laughs> that's helpful. That's yeah. me too. Me too. Yeah. That well, that's I why I have it. a podcast. Now. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why not share my conversation? Right. Yeah, I, it is a sort open. of therapy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That is I don't good. shy away from it. If somebody asks me how you know anything, like of course they don't just walk up and say, "What's your life like?" But any question, I just answer. And I'm always told you should like back off on it. And I'm like, why? I'm not ashamed of my life. I've had terrible things happen. I've had wonderful things happen. I'm not ashamed of my life. There is no reason. I, you know, I just, I'm not. So if somebody asks me anything, I answer. So that's my other way. For the first year or two after Jacob passed, it was difficult. But after that, especially doing background in, in LA, sometimes I'd be around like 500 people. So, you know, there'd be groups and people ask and I have no problem telling So I think that talking, that was my therapy. So it wasn't like one-on-one. It was just, and as you say it, it almost becomes, I know this sounds weird, but it's just so natural. So a lot of times somebody will ask me about my son and I'm fine. Now, last week I broke down, but I think it's because of the birth control I'm on. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like, I just, I have, I'm an open book. I have no problem, you know, expressing Yes. what I'm feeling or thinking or what I've been through. And I hope sometimes that some, it'll help somebody. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. posted not too long ago. Like we don't, we don't really know what people are going through until we hear their stories. And this mm-hmm. is one of my focuses with the podcast and, mm-hmm. and not just for it to give some support and an education information for the, the people in our community, but also, you know, for, for my friends and family that had never been through, you know, I'm the only yeah. person in my family that has not been able to conceive. Um, I have a a couple of male cousins that their um, wives had miscarriages and um, issues like that, but, but no one that actually could not conceive. Um, So it's like, people don't know, right? So to, to just listen to it and Mm -hmm. to listen to stories is so important. And it, it, it helps um, other people understand, and then it heals us at the same time. Like it's yep. a beautiful win and win, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And did you feel at that? Because also, again, it just baffles me, like you were so young going through mm-hmm. so much and then yeah. and then losing your father like that, mm-hmm. like, can't be easy on top of all of that. Yep. And when you were sharing your pain occasionally then with with the people that that you chose that asked your story and whatnot did you did you hear stories that were similar like oh Um, I know someone or something like that happened no no I didn't yeah and that's a big reason why I talk and that's a big reason why I share and why I say nothing's off limits because it's a stigma because there is not enough awareness. So the fact that nobody said anything to me, and I know the statistics, one in four will miscarry, you know, Um, or have 
some kind of loss in that sense. So I know that it's out there and it's, they just weren't ready to share. And maybe I touched a nerve and they couldn't, but that's part of this whole thing with, you know, fertility, infertility, you know, uh, all of those, that community and that struggle and this journey, there is such a stigma that we should be ashamed and that we shouldn't express it and talk about it because it makes people uncomfortable. Well, why does it make you uncomfortable? It's just my story and what I'm going through. Is it, are you afraid to feel sympathy or empathy for someone? You know what I mean? Like, what is it that makes people uncomfortable? Now, the, the thing I find interesting is in this community, I have found that so many people say, stop asking, when are you having children? People ask that, like, it's supposed to be run of the mill conversation. Me and my husband own a company, so we deal with clients on a daily basis. And some of those clients we get close with because it's we're very personable people, yes. <laughs> to be honest. We just are. <laughs> and I'm friendly and I'm happy-go-lucky. And because all of the pain that I've gone through, I would never want to share that with the world in the sense of I would never want to put that on someone. So I may be crying at home the second I step outside. It is smiles. It is, how are you doing? Have a fantastic day. So we have great like relationships with our clients, but what do we always hear for a while, daily basis? When are you having children? Do you have children? Why don't you have children? Do you know how harmful that is? Yeah. I don't think people realize that it's very harmful. So I've learned through this community, like those are questions we need people to stop asking, but also be more comfortable to understand why we don't want to answer those. Why number one, it's really none of your business. And number two, like, you don't know what we're going through. So if you are uncomfortable to hear it, how do you think we feel? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know? Good point. (laughs) (laughs) We have to live it. You just have to hear about it for a second. I always, this is kind of off topic, but I always say this to my husband. If I have to deal with period pain, you have to hear about it. (laughs) No, I started, I have bad periods um, as well. Horrible, horrible since I was uh, very young. Mm -hmm. Um, Wasn't as bad during like my, when I started my sex life because I was on birth control, Um, but it was still, it was still bad, um, but less bad, let's say. And then after, of course, since we've tried no birth control, horrible periods again. And with my work, with teaching my, my Pilates clients, I had to often cancel, or sometimes I was at the studio and I had to leave. So I, I'm like, if it happens every month and it like, sometimes it, it coincided the same day of the week. So I had to tell the same client that I wasn't well. And I don't right. want people to think I'm sick all the time. You know? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, especially yeah. not now, because now you like, you, you say you're not well, people are like COVID. I'm like, no, it's not fucking COVID. Oh, yeah, I have, I'm sitting here like, don't look at me with the tissue because I have, I have year long allergies. And I'm like, all embarrassed about yes, that. I know. So it's scared. so funny times now. Um, talking about your p- pain period is is better than you sneezing if people think you have COVID but I just I just straight out tell people I'm like I have you know even like sometimes I'd feel embarrassed even my male clients and I stop that I'm like no people need to know because the reason why or one of the reasons that also like 
things take so long to get diagnosed. People don't take us seriously, especially the the doctors. No one understands. Yep. Is and of course, the, I think the medical community is um, still majority male, right? The doctors yeah. that we which we should change that. So girls. <laughs> go to school and yes. become doctors exactly. right so we need mm-hmm. to encourage the younger generation and um yes so that that all change in terms of how i was sharing with people and i'm like again right. if you feel uncomfortable hearing that i have period cramps that is your problem <laughs> Yeah, oh, not, exactly. It is not mine. So I definitely yes. changed my mindset. I'm glad I'm glad that you said that because I never had this conversation with anyone else. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like you not hearing about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like we have to deal with it. And I even try to just have female doctors for that state, that simple thing. But remember when I said that I had uh, the woman at the ultrasound say, take more uh, um, Motrin, more pain pills. It was a woman. Yeah, so Even women still... that don't deal with it, they don't realize it. Yeah. I went to, I finally convinced my current, or not current, my most recent OB, how bad it was because I had an appointment during my period nice. on my worst day. So I literally came in there. She thought I had been in a car accident. Wow. That's how I looked. That's when I think she took me seriously. <laughs> See, book yeah, your appointments, exactly. time your appointments <laughs> if you can. Exactly. That I is was, so I, sad, they, really. Yeah, they gave me a, a like the clerical worker. They gave me her rolling seat to use like a walker to get to oh, the back to the, the office. Yeah, I couldn't I'm stand so up sorry. straight. <laughs> that is awful. Yes. Yep. Can I backtrack a second? Because... Um, I wanted to ask you, what are you watching on Netflix? Because you said com- you're <laughs> in books. Can you yes. can we lighten it up for a second and give of us course. some advice? What what what's helping you cope nowadays, or any what of your is- favorites? <laughs> okay, well, favorites. okay, okay. I have both. Um, and see, my problem is is these shows become my family, honey. I have a crappy family. I've r- written them off. It's me, my mom, and my husband till I die. But these people become my my family. So what's sad is when they're not there and and COVID, I know COVID, I know TV is not a big deal, but when that's your thing, it's like, oh, so my most favorite Netflix right now, and I've watched it three times because I've watched it. I've made my mom watch it. And I made my husband who's not into this kind of stuff, but the show is called You. It is amazing. I read the books. The third series or the third season should be coming out. Well, it was supposed to come out probably early 2021, but it might be 2022 now. But the third book, I believe, is coming out in April. So the books aren't exactly the show, but yeah. So you, just you. Okay. It started on Lifetime. It started on the, sh- the channel Lifetime. It ran its little first ten episodes or so, and I'm I think it didn't get enough love. So they're like, okay, like they were going to cancel it, and Netflix said. Well, we'll put it on after you're done airing. We'll throw it on Netflix to watch. And it blew up. Oh, so amazing. So Netflix, they just needed yeah. a different like um, platform audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so so read, read the book first or? Um, honestly, they're, they're a little bit different. The way I am is I enjoy TV and movies so much. I don't want to be surprised or I don't want it a surprise to be ruined by a book. So I watch the series first. 
and then I missed them so much I said I'll read the books (laughs) that's adorable yeah that's how I am so I know a lot of people are like no I don't want it to be ruined and sometimes they're different because there's I have a lot of other series that I've seen either the movies or the books I would rather be enthralled in watching it have it be visual and then I'll read the books because like I said sometimes they're different and they can change things up so I'm still a little surprised but I'm okay reading it already knowing okay oh that's cool great Uh, yeah and what do you you don't have to explain again what you is about but what do you go for is it like more comedy because we hear a lot in the community like oh when you're on a any sort of weight, right? So we have so many weights in this journey. You're Mm -hmm. waiting to get your appointment and then you're waiting for your um, stems to start, for your cycle to come and you start your cycle. Mm -hmm. Let's say IVF, for example. And then then you're doing your stems and then you're waiting for retrieval. And then after you do retrieval, if you're doing PGS testing, you're waiting for your testing to cut results. Mm -hmm. And then you're waiting for your period to come again. So you start your transfer (laughs) and then you start the, 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 the medication for the transfer and then the transfer day and then the famous two week wait oh my god and then it's like two weeks last for fucking ever and so all of that and I hear so many people say watch comedies and make sure you're distracted and funny things that make you laugh and whatever Mm -hmm. and then just the other day I was like oh I need a distraction I'm I'm on one of those weights in treatment right now and I started Fargo have you watched Fargo no I haven't I haven't it, it's, it is not it is not ha 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 this is no. so light and funny no not at all it's like gore and it's so yeah. violent and I'm like so enjoying oh, yeah. it I'm like mm-hmm. am I weird like what is no. this should I be watching no. I love stand-up so I watch that too but like just I don't know what it is like the the intensity I think is oh, the yeah. word the intensity mm-hmm. of it gets me so mm-hmm. into it that yeah. it's just everything just like washes away I have mm-hmm. like no care in the world I'll tell you what I tell my husband. My husband hates anything drama. He's like, it's so depressing. Here's what I say. And I think you'll totally get this. The reason I love drama is because it makes me feel better about my life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm already thinking my life is just shit. Let me put on, oh, nope, they got it worse. (laughs) You know? They managed to get it worse, Yeah. yeah. Like with you, you was very thrilling because- it's the kind of thing where you root for the main guy, but the main guy is not a good guy. Mm. I love that kind of thing. Yes. Oh, he's so good. If you're familiar with a show called Gossip Girl, he was, uh, okay, never mind. Well, there was, that's another show I love, yes. but he was on that. So yeah, that's the thing about you is you root for him. You want him to succeed, but he's not a good person. Okay. And I love that. So I should give Fargo a try. Definitely. I don't mind gore. I love horror movies. I yes. love thrillers and action and all that. I do comedy to go back to like, what do I do? I do comedy with my husband, but then I also need some good storytelling, you know? Yes, so yes. we do silly, sweet stuff when he has the few, little bit of like our little routine at night before bedtime. That's when I'll do comedy. But when it's just me, I want my, you know, if it's not reality TV, of course I have to have my housewives, but (laughs) I will love a good drama or like, like I wouldn't call Gossip Girl. Yeah. Gossip Girl and and Pretty Little Liars, which are two of my faves. Mm -hmm. um, They were 
they were drama as well, but more glitz and glam. And I love that as well. Cause that's, I'm a country girl now. Like I live out on five acres in the middle, like cows next door. Oh my so, God. Yeah. So I like the glitz and glam so and all nice. that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to exchange these little things sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So let's get back to um, sort of current. Mm-hmm. You're on the IVF door. And where, and then there's the financial burden, there's all the question marks Mm -hmm. and you're going through appointments, right. And trying to to figure things out. And I know that Mm -hmm. you have news. Um, Yes. So if you'd like to just, yeah, kids. So from where we stopped there, um, when you realize that you need IVF and then where you are now, what's the story? Um, okay. So a year and a half ago, once we had all the testing done, I found out, I'll just say real quick. So I had the adenomyosis. I had a blocked tube from my ectopic pregnancy. I had three fibroids and I had a uterine polyp or endometrial polyp. So I got the word, you gotta have surgery. Okay. Went and had the polyp, which turned out to be two polyps, had those uh, removed. Then we went to the the fertility clinic that was recommended. Um, I mean, we had kind of already gone there and gotten our little do this, do that. And then we'll have like the big meeting, which I think is ridiculous. Don't make me spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on tests and surgeries or whatever, if that's what is needed, just to tell me it's going to cost 30 grand when like I, let me tell me that first. First, I know. <laughs> tell me this is roughly. I don't care if your ballpark is twenty to thirty and it's twenty-five. Give me the ballpark because I can honestly say, all right, we have time because we need to save up. Yeah. I rushed and spent a bunch of money to have the surgeries and the tests and the this and the that, just to go. Okay, this isn't our time. There's no way we are. Not, we're not the people who can mortgage or take a second mortgage. We're not the people who can borrow from family. We're not, we don't have any of those. This is the, we have worked our tails off. We own our company. Finally, we're finally in the, what do they call it? In the black, you mm-hmm. know? And so $30,000 is not, oh yeah. Okay. I know we'll be paying it back for a bunch of time, but no, there was no borrowing. So it was pretty much the end. And that was March, 2019. So I had had my polypectomy, which I had to continue to pay on the rest of the year. Um, and then we, so we just gave up. Okay. Fast forward to July of 2020. Oh, well, well, it's not that we fully gave up. I just thought, well, let's see if we can get your numbers up naturally. Let's just see if we can do it on our own. Yeah. So fast forward to, I said July, but let me stop and actually say, fast forward to January, 2020. And I was looking up things to help with, with blocked tube, if there was any help, things to help with my fibroids, maybe things to help with the, the relief of pain for the adenomyosis. And I found something called serapeptase and, or serapeptidase. It could be either, or, uh, it's basically like an enzyme from a silkworm. It's a Japanese oh, thing. Yeah. Who knew? Wow. Yeah. So it's an enzyme. It's a, a, a systemic enzyme that I think we naturally have, but as we get older, it goes down. So I said, okay, I'm going to start taking that. It's like a natural, like herb kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to start doing that. So every morning on an empty stomach, I would take my serapeptase 
<laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to clear my tube. Now, of course, there is the part in my brain that says, this is ridiculous. You're just grasping at straws. But you know what? When you want something, you do it. So I said, okay, one day I'll get to, you know, um, have another H- HSG test, which was, I was not looking forward to because it was the worst pain of my life and I've had natural childbirth. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep taking this stuff. And one day something will happen. Maybe I'll just get to go take another test and we'll find out, or maybe I'll just become pregnant. So I was doing smoothies. I was doing all kinds of supplementation for my husband, all of that. Just thinking one day we'll go test his stuff and it'll be through the roof. You know, just, mm-hmm. you always keep that hope, right? That blind faith. Mm-hmm. The other problem was I had no insurance because in this lovely country, <laughs> Yes. You have to wait until November 1st to get it for the following year. Well, I did everything right. And then I waited for them to send me my stuff so I could pay. And nothing came. And I'm not a good phone person, and I should have been. But as time went by, all of a sudden, it was like March of this year, right before the whole COVID thing happened. And I'm like, I just give up. We're not having a baby anywhere. We're not doing IVF. I don't need a doctor. So I was no doctor, no insurance. Fast forward again to July. Oh. When I saw, I I decided I was going to try to join this community and maybe see a bunch of women who naturally got pregnant after 20 years trying, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. (sighs) That didn't happen. But I did see this adorable doctor on an Instagram live of a company that I had a week before read about, but it was only in New York. Well, he's in Colorado and he's had his practice his clinic for a long time. They just merged and CNY is the company took over his clinic and he's part of it now. So the thing about this clinic, their IVF, not including meds, $3,995. Oh my God. That, that includes ICSI, which mm-hmm. any other clinic I've seen is $1,500. Wow. That includes um, cryopreservation of your, any eggs, a fresh transfer, um, storage for those extra embryos for a year. So I just have to do meds. Now that $30,000 quote I got the year before did include meds. So it was kind of a, could be 28,000, could be 30,000. You just never know because everybody's different. You don't know what your protocol is going to be. But 4,000 plus maybe three or 4,000 in meds is a lot better than 28 to 30,000. Yes. So I told my husband, I said, the only problem is we have to travel to Colorado. And he said, okay, but I'm not flying. And I went, you're you're cool with that. He was, he was, he was raised religious to an extent where he wasn't even really wanting to do IVF because the playing God kind of thing. But once he realized like, it still isn't a guarantee, it's not going to make me 100% pregnant at all. Nowhere near a hundred percent. So once I convinced him of that and he understood it and he knew there were plenty of people that were born and raised Christian, Catholic, what have you, that just want a family so bad and that's what they're going to do, he felt a little better about it. And so he said, okay. And he sat and watched like 10 minutes of, of, the guy's name is Dr. Magarelli. Mm -hmm. So he watched like 10 minutes of his Instagram live video and he was like, give them a call. Aww. So yeah, so that was, I, I had started, I was getting ready to start the Instagram thing. I'd seen that. And then I called them and I got, that was the end of July, beginning of August, I think. Um, and I found out, I was like, it's kismet. It's meant to be because Ju- July 21st was the day they started the merge. Wow. Yeah. So even if I had found CNY a year ago, 
or a year and a half ago, it'll all have just been on the East Coast. And since Mm -hmm. I'm on the West Coast, yeah, everything is in Syracuse, New York, all of that. Yeah. So when I found out the Colorado thing, I'm like, that's a 20 hour drive. We can make that happen. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. We found that and we got our consultation. It was set for October 8th. So that's right there is why I was started doing those challenges. Oh, good girl. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's stay time. distracted. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. On a mission, on a mission mm-hmm. to stay distracted. Yeah. So, exactly. so then, so then this month, how has that been for you? Uh, this month has been rough because as of ac- October 8th, we got our protocol. We had our consultation. He was adorable. I loved him. Now I say adorable because the man's been in the business many years mm. and he's just, he's just adorable. I just, I'm, I feel so good about him. Our last clinic, I might not have said we felt like a number. We felt like we were on a conveyor belt. We felt like, I mean, seriously, if you picture a factory with like dolls going down conveyor belts, that's how we felt. Yes. My husband did not like the the fertility specialist, the the RE. He did not like her at all. Told me instantly, nope. He's like, I will do this for you, but I do not like her. That was before we got the quote. That's so interesting. We had similar, similar um, experience as well. And now Mm -hmm. my second RE, we, we're, we're in love with him. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you understand where I'm coming from. You've got to like the person that you're giving. I mean, if we were able to afford $30,000, I still wouldn't want to give it to her Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be honest. You know, she also was very stern and strict. This is how we're doing it. This is what we do. I said, do you ever do two eggs? She said, no. And I said, okay, I'd really like to do that. She goes, no, we're that good. We don't need to. Oh, wow. And I'm sitting here okay. going, oh, because it's all about you. I know it doesn't work that way. And I like all of the testing, everything was mandatory. And I didn't like that, mm. you know? So today, oh, okay. So October, so eighth, I had that. He told us you need to have your blood work. We need another HSG plus a saline test and your husband's semen analysis done again. And I'm like, <laughs> we just did all that a year and a half ago, but he wants it to be current. Well, uh, I've got on that, then like the following week I was at the lab. Like, remember no insurance, no doctor had to do this all on my own. I had to be my own advocate. So I went, I had my blood work done 17 different tests. Wow. Yeah. So I think they did like eight or nine vials. I was just sitting there talking Mm -hmm. and she was just changing them. And I'm like, I should probably be counting. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so, so I did that. Uh, the following morning, I told my husband, I will get your sample and I will rush it to the, to the lab so that they can do that. So very next morning after, after I did my labs, boom, got his sample taken off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because the HSG and saline, you have to do between, a lot of times they say between days six and 11, but my clinic actually wanted it between day five and 10. So I had to have that scheduled. And when all this was going on, I wasn't even due to start until the following week for my period. So my day six is what worked out scheduling wise for the the imaging place was uh, October 22nd. So that was last week. I had that done. And and that's the one, that's the one they um, put the the liquid inside the saline Mm -hmm. solution. And then they take imaging of the shape of your uterus and make sure Mm -hmm. that the tubes are um, Um, free. The saline is for like the shape and everything and and the images. The HSG, the hysterosalpingogram, that is 
dye and an x-ray. Oh yeah. So there's dye, there's a big x-ray machine they wheel over you. I don't think I did that one. I think I just did the Celine and even that one like was horrible for me. Okay. But I didn't do the dye one. Okay. Continue. So, so yeah, the first time I ever did a year and a half ago, it was just the the dye one because they knew I had had the ectopic because what the x-ray does is the dye, they see it go through your tubes and come out the other end. And when I had it a year and a half ago, I think I even posted on Instagram the picture. It was the uterus and you could see it wiggling around and then out the other, at the end of the fallopian tube. And the other side, it was like, you saw that it went like a a centimeter and then it was Mm, nothing. So that's, and I, and I expected that. So this last um, Thursday on the 22nd, I had it done again, was not painful. And what I didn't mention was this therapeptase that I started taking in January. I stopped taking it because I started taking some other stuff to help with IVF. But um, my periods were much better, much lighter. Oh my God. This is a podcast, so people can't see my bulging eyes and my eyebrows (laughs) like meeting my uh, hairline. (laughs) So, so the blessed little silkworms. We're helping yep. you. Oh yeah. I could, by the next month, by February, I was walking around on my period. I've gone to the store on my period during my period. Wow. I, I don't have accidents anymore. It's still heavy. I still have to be afraid of, you know, but I don't have my black towel underneath me when I sleep anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't have to wear as many depends. I think I just use one on my day two, which is my heaviest. So yeah, it actually changed a lot. So I say that to say my tube was no longer blocked. Oh my God. <laughs> I was so waiting for this. I have goosebumps. Yeah. That is amazing. I have the picture of both of little, I mean, it's really faint and hard to see, but I, I was there. I saw it. She showed yes. me squiggly little curly because they look like threads that just squiggle mm. through and poof, poof, the little dye that just shoots <gasps> out each side. I cleared my tube. Wow. I she said my everything looks beautiful even though I still have my adeno and I still have the fibroids um I'd love to know what the measurements are because I think they might be a little bit lighter but I let them know and here's the funny thing when I first mentioned it while I was in there they kind of were like ignoring it you mm-hmm. know and I understand that like I I get that doctors aren't going going to want to hear that I've taken my own health into my hands that I've taken the reins because nobody else would help me Nobody prescribes me pain, pain meds. I'm sitting here not being able to walk looking as my doctor said, like I was in a car crash. They give me nothing. They give me no help. Just pop some Advil. Advil doesn't touch me at all. So I was laying there going, oh, well, I've been taking this therapeutic. So I'm really interested to see. So they're doing the first, they do the saline thing, kind of ignore me, brush it off. Like literally do not ask anything. Okay. The second they saw and I knew what I was looking for. The second they saw my tubes, the late one of the ladies said, now what was that stuff you said you were taking? Hmm. Before she even said my tubes were clear. And that's when I knew. Yeah. So I did that. And I am not a doctor. Let me just say, I am not a doctor. Yes. I'm not recommending anything. No, neither of us. This is not, no, no and this is not a commercial for that no. either. But we right. can, we can just share the experience. Mm-hmm. We exactly. can just put it on, I'll put it on the notes. And then and I always encourage harmful. people. Yeah. If you like do your own research, like yeah. you did and yep. choose if that 
um, could be something that maybe would work for yeah. you. And exactly. if you do see someone like uh, a naturopath mm-hmm. or right or a doctor that is more open to that kind yeah. of stuff, or acupuncturist or something, mm-hmm. someone that that has training like that, you can talk to them about it. They might know yeah. something on those lines. So we'll yeah. we'll share that on the notes for sure. That I yeah. love these stories. <laughs> you know when my I won't go into too much detail, but when we finished our um, IVF round and my doctor called me with the PGS testing uh-huh. numbers and it was so much more than he was expecting. And oh, he okay. was like, Bianca, this is like a miracle. I never see this. And I'm like, yeah. there's no fucking miracle here like you have no idea how Mm -hmm. much I worked like you know emotionally and on my body and the supplements the thousands of supplements my naturopath I see a very intense naturopath Um, and I I did that for about three years and I'm still doing it but it was very intense until Mm -hmm. I got results um, financially and emotionally and physically And I'm like, yeah, there is no miracle here. But again, no one asked. No. Like I am way above the statistics of how many normal embryos come out of a batch no one even like I'm celebrating me and my husband were like yeah. crying because it it just pays off right like mm-hmm. when you realize that that it paid off yeah it, do, it doesn't always and it doesn't for everyone and everyone has their own right issues and uh, mm-hmm. and we're still not perfect and we still don't want don't have her baby yet but yeah we're you know we're on the right path and when you see that what you're doing is like has results. It's Mm -hmm. so emotional, but still we have so much more to to learn and such a ways to go in terms of the traditional role they call traditional medicine to take that more seriously. And my doctor is an open one because on our interview, let's say on our intro uh, consultation, I Mm -hmm. I told him, I say, I see a naturopath and that's what I believe in. Are you willing to work with him? And, you know, I can tell him what, uh, what, you're giving me and he'll like, you know, we'll go back and forth. And, and he said, yes. So that was oh a big, God. that was a big thing, you know, because I've seen yeah. eyes rolling oh, of course. up to the back of your head, you know, mm-hmm. and that like, you know, like, oh, here I go. One more yeah. mm-hmm. girl mm-hmm. that wants the, the hocus pocus pills from right. herbs that think is yeah. Anyways, that was and a big, even if it is, who cares? If it's helping you, exactly. you know what I'm saying? If it's helping you mentally, like for me, I haven't been able, we just had his semen analysis and it really didn't actually, his motility and morphology went down. His number went up slightly, Mm. but all the stuff I've gone through for him and all of the stuff he's done haven't made much of a difference, but guess what? It helped me while we were doing it. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, who cares what anybody thinks, if it's helping you, you're the one it's your journey you're the one who's on it they're just there to assist you know yeah that is great Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. so okay so that is amazing so you got that great result so I'm sure that was like a big highlight oh yes that made my weekend very nice (laughs) yes and then and then where are we standing on today girl today 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 (laughs) yeah well Today has been rough. Today started out wonderful, but it was definitely a Monday. And I got the phone call from the clinic 
they wanted to go over my HSG results. And I said, okay. And I knew this was coming. It's something that I haven't mentioned that I already knew about what the lady who did the HSG found was another endometrial uterine polyp. Mm. Now she said she was hoping that maybe it was just a little more adeno because it was hard to kind of tell. She said, it's real tiny. So I just decided I'm going to not dive into that depression like I normally would because it's with infertility, you, you automatically, you're waiting. It's, it's like PTSD. You're just waiting yes. for the other shoe to drop for everything. You're waiting for it to be the end of the world. And so today I had my end of the world situation and it was devastating. I'm trying to, this has helped me. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I sobbed uncontrollably because what it means for me, anybody listening, if they know what this is, it may not seem like a big deal. But when, as I mentioned, I don't have insurance. I don't have a current OB. I was expecting for the last two months to start my IVF, hopefully end of October, beginning to mid of November. So what did I say before about insurance? I can't have insurance until the new year, meaning I then will get a doctor and hopefully try to get the surgery scheduled, find the right person to do it. Yes. I did the math in my head. If I go through with it and I do the surgery, I may not have a baby until 2022. And I know we're at the end of 2020, but still, do you understand how far off that sounds? Yeah. When I've already waited 14 years, when tomorrow is my 39th birthday, 2020, 2022 sounds like forever. Yeah, I know. So that was tough for me. Then <laughs> within five minutes of the phone call and me sobbing, I didn't see my cat dart underneath my feet and I stepped on <sighs> slash tripped over him. His, he's gigantic. He's 24 pounds. He's just, he's too big. He takes up a lot of mass on the floor. So he tried to go one way, but I was like, I thought he was going, but then he oh, quickly when he's like, Oh no, what's going to happen. So I fell into a door frame. So my ribs are killing me. Breathing oh. hurts. My, I had to get my wedding ring off. My finger got bent back. Oh no. My arm <laughs> is messed up. I'd love to show you the little cute wicker box crate thing I fell into because it now does not sit flat. It is crushed <laughs> up. And this is a very solid thing that you can't even really bend, but because yes. I fell on it. Yeah. So it has been a lovely day. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So I'm a little devastated right now because now I asked them, is this mandatory? And she said, no, this is your journey. We will just make recommendations. Now, see, remember I said okay. that last clinic was like, this is how it's done. Yeah. So that makes me feel good. And I don't know if this is just the crazy 14-year waiting girl's mind of, I want to do it no matter what. I've already paid for it. I want to go and do the IVF. If it doesn't work, if I miscarry, what have you, I don't care. I just don't want to wait anymore. If it doesn't work out because of this polyp, I'll have the surgery. But no matter what, I have to wait. Yes. So can I at least, because she said, if you want to come do the retrieval and then we'll just freeze the eggs. And then when you have the surgery, yes. then you can come back. But remember, I said, 
waiting till January to hopefully get insurance and a doctor and to get it scheduled. Maybe not until like March. Then how many months do I have to recover after having the hysteroscopy, the polypectomy? So I'm telling you, it's just, it's gotten even further. Now I'm already 40 by the time I'm maybe halfway through my, my pregnancy. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. Call me crazy and everybody, this is my journey. So it's my decision. I have to talk it over with my husband, but there's 95% of me is just like, I don't care. The polyp isn't in the same place. The last two were, it's tiny. It's there. Most likely won't affect anything. I just want to go ahead with it. Yes. You know, does the, does the polyp, (laughs) you're no kidding. Um, Does the polyp affect the egg retrieval? No. It will. It would affect only if you had the transfer. When um, you have it, the transfer. Well, okay, so it could it potentially, could, yes. yes, but not before. So you, no, could, no, no. you could, you could potentially, like you said, go through the the egg retrieval, and you could mm-hmm. even fertilize and mm-hmm. all that, and then oh, yeah. and then freeze the embryos, mm-hmm. and then do what you have to do. Or not, like you said, you could you could risk it if they're open yeah. to do it, and you can maybe right. really ask for their um, opinion, and then yeah. with you between you and your husband, come up with your own um, ideas, and right. then make a decision. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, so that's an option. An option is to just go forward with it the way that we had planned in the first date, which is yes. hopefully in the next week or two start stims. After eleven days, do a trigger. I actually get to do two triggers. My joke is it's because I'm old (laughs) because I also have to now get this. I also have to do both kinds of PIO or the progesterone. I have to do suppositories and the PIO shots. Injections. Oh, (laughs) those injections, man. I was like, wait, everybody talks about either or. He immediately said, we want to have a really good chance. So we're going to do both. Oh my God. Because I'm old. I know. (laughs) That's always my joke for everything. So yeah. So we could easily just go through just down the line, the way that we had already planned it and hope for the best. And in all honesty, IVF, that journey is already hoping for the best. Yeah. Because nothing in this is a guarantee. No. Now, of course, my husband does not want me to go through the pain and suffering of a miscarriage. I totally get it. But at the same time, the stress, the pain, the waiting, all of that is the same to me. Yes. This is devastating, just like that would be. I've gone through a loss. I've gone through two different kinds of losses. I know what it feels like. Yes. This right now, it's like I lost it. When I heard her say those words, I honestly was like, I'm done. I give up. I'm done. I don't want to, I don't want to do any of it now. Like, you know what I mean? Like I had that go through my head with, I'm I'm so tired. I'm done. Yes. Gave it a few minutes, had my fall. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm going to see what he says. I'll talk to another nurse later and I'll see just what we decide to come up with. But I'm in all honesty, I just want to just move forward. I feel like we keep hitting these roadblocks. Maybe the fall was just like someone like (laughs) shaking you, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's what you, you needed to get out of the funk and then your head in the game and, and you have big decisions ahead of you. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing that. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. I just love you so much. 
Seriously. And, um, okay. So to, to, to finish off, I always ask my, um, a guest when I can remember, um, from our, all the hormones and and lack (laughs) of of sleep. Sometimes I forget, but do you have anything for the listeners that is, um, that is inspiring for you that maybe at some point has helped you through this journey that you would like to share? Okay, honestly, it's not something that's helped me through the journey because I just saw it the other day and it was actually one of my photo challenges because for whatever day it was, I think it was day 24, it was a post that inspires you. And I swear, I was just going to look through some old posts of people's. It was when I scrolled that morning, it was right there. And to me, it was perfect. And (laughs) it's kind of perfect for today. So it's Thomas Edison. It's a quote by Thomas Edison. And says, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try one more time. So that hit me hard that day. It hits me hard now because it's so easy to give up. But that's the quickest way to fail. Yes. You know, so just keep trying. And that's what I have to tell myself is as tiring, exhausting, painful, frustrating that this journey is and how my journey has been I just have to keep trying because it's what I want yes absolutely so quick question to wrap it up the if you if you could go back in this journey like knowing everything that you've learned I'm Mm -hmm. sure like you and your husband probably grew together so much through this these hardships would you change your journey? Would you go back and just on the flip of a button, if you could just be pregnant and know that you would probably be a different person today? Well, as far as the, could I go back and just make myself pregnant? I mean, anybody would say (laughs) yes to that. If that's how it was, I'd like sign me up. But I mean, to go back and change something in all honesty, I wouldn't have waited 12 years for him to get a a semen analysis. It wasn't that much. We could have had that hundred dollars or 150 or whatever, 200 bucks. We could have done that. I would have told myself then don't let the fear destroy you because that's what really stopped. It wasn't the money. We said it's the money. It wasn't the money. It was the fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of having your answer. We all want an answer until we get it. So I would honestly just go back and say, just have the test. So, you know, the numbers. And the other thing is I would go back and I would make myself not be as sweet and nice when I'm trying to find out a diagnosis for myself. And I would just go doctor after doctor after doctor and say, no, you need someone to take you seriously. You need to not have had this pain for almost 18 years of your life to have everyone tell you there's nothing wrong with you when there is. So I would definitely, definitely do that. But I mean, you can't change anything in the past, you know, yes. it's, it's, yeah. it, but, but it's lovely to think, you know, if I could, I would, but no, I mean, I wouldn't change anything as far as me and my husband go, because he's the most amazing thing in the world. Yes. But I would just say, get those tests done, get those few yeah. little things that aren't too expensive. So at least you, you have a head start, yes. you know, cause it, it's a really crazy feeling to walk into a clinic and say, we've been trying for 13 years, help us. Why didn't we go before? 
Yes, that's great. Yeah. That's great advice to to finish off. Yeah. So take action, take action while you Definitely. can. The question is advocate. really, the question is really hopefully not to make um, you feel or us feel like guilty or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because like you said, we can't go back or change anything really, but it's no. to give people the listeners perspective, right? For us yeah. that have been, cause you might, we might have people that are listening that are ahead of us and some people that are just starting. So it's yeah. nice to have perspective. So let's give people your um, Instagram handle. And also, do you have any plans for November? I know you're going through a lot today. I'm throwing so much at you. But do you have a challenge? Do you have a challenge for November? I'm curious. Honestly, I am working on my challenge. And it's open to everybody. Although it's kind of specific for the United States in the sense of Thanksgiving for us is in November. Gratitude being thankful. So I think it's going to be kind of geared towards that. So it's probably going to be another photo challenge, Nice, but it's definitely going to be like things you're grateful for things. And I, I, you know, I want it to be, don't just post a picture that, you know, I'm grateful for this tree or this house. (laughs) Tell me why I want to know why you're grateful. I want that. I want to feel it. So that's, I think that's what I'm going towards definitely is just because there's so many times we don't feel grateful in this, in this journey. I want to know what you are grateful for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. So that's what I'm that's kind of great. That's great motivation. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Cause I did, I did fail on the, on the October oh. one. I said I was going to join and I did not. It was, it was just too busy too and much. You can join at any time. Even if you just do one post, one I get to learn post. something about you, just something. And I don't care. You know what? Honestly, a lot of girls, They'll put eight photos up and say, I'm way behind. Oh, (laughs) that's excellent. Maybe I'll do 30. I'll just do 30 (laughs) pictures on like Halloween. There you go. A whole collage. You can just pick and choose too. Exactly. Go go through your photos and say that'll work for that one. That'll work for that. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you, Erin, so much. Like your spirit and your soul. Like I feel like I don't really know you. Like we just met, but I feel like we could just talk forever. And oh, thank you. That's it was really a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And. Yes. One thing I didn't say my, my handle. Oh yeah, that's right. Of <laughs> um, course. My yes. handle is, and I'll even spell it out because <laughs> I made it very confusing. It was adorable in my mind, but mine is at child Baron dreams. And it's not spelled the way you would think because my name is Aaron. So it's child. So C H I L D B E R I N D R E A. MS child baron dreams <laughs> perfect and we'll link Thank it you. we'll link it to the notes in awesome. case anyone is not great with spelling <laughs> and people can find you there Yes, I definitely recommend you guys go follow Aaron because it's super inspirational and um, I'll see you soon. We'll see each other on Instagram. Thank you so much Bianca. you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I don't think I can say much more after all that. Like what a great heart to heart conversation. All I can say is how grateful I am to have met Erin and to now call her a friend. I'm proud to be able to create space for her to share her story. Women like her deserve to be heard, deserve to be acknowledged for both their pain and their accomplishments.
I hope this chat and Aaron's amazing spirit inspires you as you go through whatever shitty struggles life is throwing at you right now. This podcast wouldn't be up and running if it wasn't for the help of a few very special people. You can find my special thanks to them all at myfertilityjourney.ca. And if you want to keep in touch, find me on Instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, leave a review to support the show, and share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. Love you all and I'll see you soon.